0: Hey everybody, it's Joel and with me is Jason. Are you there? Jason's not there. Jason's having a lot of fun with his family doing uh, his time off this summer. We will be back next week with a regular episode, but Jason loves y'all so much that he went ahead and recorded some news. So here's your Jason fix with some news. (laughs)
1: Alright, so let's go and talk about some news. Uh, The first thing I wanted to talk about was the game that won the the Spiel this year. And that is, no surprise, Azul. Um, The Spiel, whatever, whoever does the Spiel posted on Facebook that that won. And Michael Kiesling was pretty pumped. So, Spiel winner Azul, no big surprise there. Um, a kind of bigger surprise, I guess, was the Kinnerspiel winner is called Die Quacksalber von Quedlinburg, which is a game that not a lot of people in America have heard of, which makes sense because the Kinnerspiel's is in Germany. But this is kind of like a press your luck um, game by the guy that did the mind. Wolfgang Gorsch, I think is his name. But yeah, so he designed this game along with the mind. The mind didn't win, but this one did. So yeah, if you once this come to America, you may want to check it out. I read about it. There's not a ton on BGG, but there is some. So yeah, that's D sauber von Quedlinburg. The next piece of news is Escape Plan, the new Vital Asserta game, is on Kickstarter currently. It funded in 10 minutes. No big surprise because it's Vitaliserta. Um, and I think. By the time of this recording, it's going to be 15 days before the project ends. So you still have some time to jump and back that if you want to. I think the price point is $75, I believe. So yeah, that's Escape Plan. It's a kind of a different feel from VTel. I guess it's more of like a medium weight than a medium heavy or a heavy game. So it might be a better jumping off point for some people who aren't used to VTOL Acerta games. So if you're interested in... Um, a VTAL game to get some people into it, this might be the one for you. The next interesting piece is something we mentioned a few weeks back on the program, and that is the Homestar Runner board game called Trogdor, the board game. It's live on Kickstarter. It funded super quickly. It has over 11,000 backers. And essentially what you're doing in this game is you're trying to help Trogdor Burn the night in the countryside. Yeah, you know, everybody knows the Trogdor song. So yeah, the, if this game looks really cool, it has some neat little wooden bits. Uh, I'm not real 100% on the gameplay. It looks like there's some tiles, and as you move Trogdor around, you're going to flip over some of the tiles, to burning tiles. And you can burn some peasants, and they have little fire helmets they can wear on their head. Yeah, it's silly. It's Homestar Runner. Not too much more to say about that, but Trogdor the board game. Still on Kickstarter. Go check that out. And the final piece of news that I wanted to talk about is a game that was out of print pretty quickly after it came out from, I think, Artipia Games called Project Elite. And this game is now coming back later this year by Simon. It's going to hit Kickstarter, and what this game is, is it's a real-time, dice-rolling, tactical tower-defense game. So everybody's like frantically rolling dice, and you're trying to protect your section of the board from baddies that are coming in so it's a minis game but a real-time minis game which is different so this may be one that i'm actually kind of interested in so yeah that's project elite so if you want to see more on that go check out kickstarter later in 2018 and it'll be releasing in 2019 so yeah that's the news
0: hey thanks jason for doing that news and this week I had a chance to sit down with Zach Edwards, creator of Historical Conquest, and a new game that's coming to Kickstarter called Totally Medieval. These games are really neat. Uh, Zach gets, gets really excited about them, and I do too, because they're educational games uh, and the way that educational games should be done. And they're not a contrived, pasted-on educational theme, but the educational elements are part of the gameplay and integrated into the game in a way that kids are going to learn stuff and adults are going to learn stuff about history and about math that they never thought they would learn probably and do it while having a lot of fun and maybe as a side effect. So um, it's kind of a cool gamification of these subjects that he's done. And I guess you can just uh, listen to him talk about it in our interview right now. (laughs) Hey, Joel here. I'm with uh, Zach Edwards. And Zach, you are, a, I guess, a game designer, orchestrator, uh, who's made a couple of really neat games. And um, I guess just tell us a little bit about your history with creating board games.
2: So I grew up back in high school. I was playing Magic the Gathering, uh, a lot of regular board games. Everyone else playing like Risk, Monopoly, those type of games. Um, but when I got into Magic, uh, the whole that whole realm opened up. But funny enough, my mom actually really disliked the fact of the, the ghouls, the goblins, the basically the darker side of magic. And even though I tried to talk her out of it, she was very adamant about me getting rid of, her, of my cards. So when she, when she got this in her mind that she wanted me to get rid of it, it ended up that she had to negotiate with me to get rid of my cards. And I was turning 16, or I had just turned 16, and I wasn't able to drive yet. So she said, in order for you to start driving, you have to get rid of your cards. I said, okay, I, I could do that. I mean, my wow. priorities was I wanted to go date. I wanted to drive around. Um, so, of course, I was going to get rid of my cards. Uh, but at the same time, um, I was able to uh, go off to college um, a few years later. Now, I actually kept going with the game a little bit longer um, than she wanted. But when I got rid of the cards completely, uh, a year later, I went off to college. And I started up a uh, an English class. Where the teacher was trying to get us to create a product that would change the world and it was supposed to be a one-page essay so in this one-page essay i saw that kids and uh people love to play games but students back in high school hated the subject of of history and that at the same time parents loved their kids wanting or wanted their kids to learn history and hated those games i was like there's got to be a happy medium somewhere So this product would change the world would be basically merging the two concepts together. So I created this one page essay and then every class that I went to the, the gamification of my education started, my education started up right there. And every class I went to the game developed, um, every, um, everything I did in my life basically started to develop this game until all of a sudden I had a fully functioning game. And it was, it was great.
0: <laughs> yeah. did you? I mean, typically people go to college for four years. This game was in development then essentially for four years. And then I'm guessing, I mean, it's a really refined game. Uh Historical conquest is the name of this game. Uh, and I've, I've watched a few videos on it. I'm really fascinated by it, honestly. Um, but I'm guessing this game seems super polished. I mean, I feel like you've probably been doing a lot of, uh, playtesting and just years and years beyond the four years in college if i had to guess
2: yeah so actually my college i
0: mean is that accurate
2: yeah it is actually my college years was 15 years ago so right (laughs) after i developed it and printed it i spent like 10 grand developing this game and then all of a sudden i got married and my wife said uh put away the game and go get a real job so that's when wives do
0: that sometimes
2: yeah they do but it was you know it's the best advice she could ever give me because I had so many life experiences that brought me to the point. So it sat on the shelf for 10 years and I was teaching some students about entrepreneurism. They wanted to see what I produced. So I brought it out. They wanted to play it. So I let them play it. And then all of a sudden they wanted more. And that's when we had to bring it out. And that's five years ago.
0: Yeah. That's great. Uh, it's really interesting how sometimes unconventional paths do end up with something really great happening. Um, There's just, you know, this great design in the universe that just things just kind of come together. And even in my own life, I've looked at, you know, my experiences along the way have made me who I am now. And it seems like the same thing's true for you that, you know, you probably weren't ready to put this game out and market it the way you are now when you were 22 years old. So it's probably good. You had some years of wisdom and stuff in there to, you know, kind of help you make this product even better. Um, but yeah, it's. I guess, I guess just before we move in any into it any further, uh, the game, I mean, like I'm going to just kind of give my impression of what I think the game is. And then you just correct me as I'm going. It seems like you have some land cards that you're kind of trying to defend. Start off initially with one and then you can kind of power that up by having certain kinds of explorer cards to unlock more lands. And then you have like defense and attack cards. But then also aside from that, there's a like kind of alternate. Path to victory, where you can raise the morale of your people up to a certain level. So it could be a pacifist win almost if you if you had enough uh, people that are going to try and make the people in your nation happy. And that's a gross op- oversimplification because there's all kinds of different decks and different possibilities of combinations. And the, I, it seems like the game really lives in the cards and the text on the cards and how they interact. Um, but I think that's, I mean, I think the comparisons to Magic the Gathering, I definitely get that it's a card driven dueling game for sure um what else did i miss what else would be important for people to know
2: so have you ever played this, the game of civilization
0: oh yeah absolutely
2: okay so civilize civ basically is historical conquest but with cards right um i also compare it to the game of risk where yeah like you said you can either dominate the world and take over all your opponent's land or you can um bring world peace and win that way as well so the pacifist way uh but the one thing yeah. force- really um i found that is really exciting for a lot of people is the fact that these are they're not fictional characters they're not just somebody pulled out of an imagination which is great for most games and there are thousands of games out there like that but this game it's actual people from history so you can play with genghis khan george washington tesla and each of their abilities are based off the history that they had in real history
0: yeah Absolutely. And so the kids are learning without knowing they're learning almost. They're having such a good time that the information is just getting in there. Mm-hmm. And they just, I know the card that you cite a bunch is John Crapper. That's a fun card yeah. that, you know, he increases morale and it would, I mean, indoor plumbing, having a place to get rid of all that stink. I mean, that's going to be <laughs> a real great. morale increase. <laughs> yeah. so For sure. Um, I, I think it's neat. And I, I'm going to go ahead and just say, I have parallels with your story as well. Um, I did definitely play magic. And I don't think my parents were as, I don't think I was probably as into it as you were, but I played in like the late nineties. um, And I always had kind of an unsettling, like weird feeling about some of those black and red cards in there. And so at one point I was just like, you know what, I don't really need to do this. um, And just kind of felt like a conviction personally about playing. And so I left magic you. and I've gone back to magic and, and left and whatever, several times because it is such a good game. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's just such dark imagery in that game sometimes that um, this is, I'm always looking for a great alternative. So this <laughs> seems like it's one that has a really great benefit in that it teaches good stuff. So my son and I play, we play Pokemon a ton because he loves Pokemon, but um, we have played magic, but we kind of have a rule that we don't play black decks. We throw all the black cards away. Yeah. anything this is like devil or demon we get rid of too, which is kind of like just me being a little bit conservative, I guess. Um, but I know there are families that I'm friends with. Where they there's no magic at all, there's no fantasy at all because they're really just concerned about that kind of stuff in their house. And so it seems like historical conquest is a really awesome way to get that kind of strategic card play kind of game into a house and not having to worry about like, eh, is this something that's going to compromise like my core beliefs or you know my character? <laughs> um, so I really love that about it, to be honest. So you know, there's, yeah. there's one
2: there's one thing that's really um, interesting when it comes to play, the comparison between magic. Uh, I've met a lot of magic players that are like tournament ch- tournament champions, and they don't want to touch my game with a ten foot pole when they first see it. Uh, it's like, oh, it has to do with history. Don't want to touch it. Yeah, sit. I asked them to sit down for three rounds, and three hours later, they've kicked everyone's butt because they've gotten some <laughs> of the, some of the comparisons from from magic. Um, so one just one example, I was up in Alaska, sat down with uh, a teacher, and she had talked her. Her daughter's boyfriend into sitting down and playing for three rounds. That's all she wanted. Just sit down for three rounds. Tell me what it's like because I'd like to bring this into school and, and show some more people this. So he sits down, and by the end of the game, he stolen all of my land, his girlfriend's land, and his mom's or his girlfriend's mom's land. So he ends up with like 15 lands. And the funny thing is, is that he started, when he started playing the game, he was using rules that I hadn't even thought of, but they were <laughs> completely within the rules.
0: Right. So, so he made some cards hit the blacklist potentially. There or something. It feels <laughs> like maybe I don't know. Well, there, there
2: was it was great because it, they weren't um, they weren't overpowered. They weren't o- op. They weren't um, the way he was playing it. It was it was still uh, manageable, but it was just new concepts that I hadn't even thought of. So that's why I love using these uh, very veteran uh, game players to manage the games that I did produce. So I produce yeah. them and then I beta test them through them.
0: That's, that's amazing. And then this is another thing too. This is, you're, you're going to go, whoa, this guy did his homework here. Um, <laughs> I was watching your YouTube channel a little bit and you're like, uh, you're like basically challenging people to stump you. Say, so can you find loopholes or like infinite loops or breaks in my game and how do you do it? And let's talk about it. And I thought that was really cool. And I watched one of your videos about the, uh, the Russian, uh, sniper, who increases morale, I believe, and then the Alamo and kind of how they like synergize all these cards together. I thought, man, somebody really passionately loves this game to like study these cards that hard and figure out how to do that. And I thought that was just, man, a really cool thing that you were just, and then you weren't like, well, no, you're misinterpreting the cards. You're like, whoa, that's, (laughs) that's cool. You figured that out. I mean, I thought that was a really neat approach you took to it.
2: So just an example. So I just went to a convention over the weekend and while I was there, and now I'm not a person that's ever wanted publicity, wanted to have a fan base or um any of that. And I go to this convention and there's kids asking for autographs and there's kids asking for um to take pictures with me and wanted to play against the creator of the game. I've never wanted this kind of fanfare and it's actually somewhat <laughs> a little bit into the point of like embarrassing to me to some extent, but I've gotten used to it. But it's really yeah. interesting the fact of um being to be being able to play with these people are so passionate about my game, which uh, again, that's it's amazing to me to to see. Yeah. And this now this, this is just my own personal
0: it.
2: Go for it. Sorry.
0: Th- this is my own personal curiosity question for you here, Zach. Um I've got two games that I'm in the middle of development on myself. Uh-huh. And like I'm just kind of like tired of playing them, tired of playtesting them, tired of developing rules for them. And they're rock solid games at this point but I'm just tired of, of getting people to play them and push them. Did you ever feel that way as a game designer? Or was it something where you always just felt like, man, this is just really great and I'm going to dedicate what I can to it? I mean, I'm just trying to figure out, I know a lot of people that listen to our show are developing games. Like, what does it feel like? Are there, are there highs and lows? Is it, or is it just a, man, if you're in the right spot, you're in the right spot kind of thing.
2: I think all developers feel the same way that you felt just, you're playing it over and over and over again. It doesn't matter if you play with a hundred different people. So after it's all developed and you start um, playtesting it with all these people, or not just playtesting, just playing it with these all these other people, it's like, wow, this is like, you're playing it constantly. And there it does become a, like a, uh, I lost the word, but not tired, but there's another word that has to do with it. Um, but you all <laughs> of a sudden get really, uh, yeah, tired to some extent of playing over and over and over again. But then... Um, I've actually done it play a lot of different ways. Um, one of the best ways I see is a f- most effective is actually what we did with our new game totally medieval. And this is where we brought in, um, we asked our fan, uh, our fans, if they wanted to pre order the new game and we had 60 people sign up in less than a month, we had about 60 people sign up and wanting to, to buy it, to pre-order it. And then I said, Hey, I've got another opportunity if you'd like. How about I send all of you guys the prototypes and we're sending out five at a time and then they actually send it off to the next five, but oh, that's they're, really cool. Yeah. Well, they're completely vested in it and because they've already pre-ordered, they want the perfect game and the best way to right. get that perfect game is to give the most uh feedback and also to pass it on to the next person and let them give the feedback. And so this is actually the new game is actually being tested out 60 times or 60 different people playing it however many times. And we have a Facebook page that we go through all the uh, critiques and the, any kind of bugs that they find so that we can get rid of those bugs. And this way I don't have to play it a hundred different times, t- time after time, after time, but I'd let everyone else that already loves the game to take, take hand of it and take ownership in it.
0: Yeah. And that's great. You must have some really passionate fans because I've been involved with a couple different play tests and. The first time you're playtesting a game, you're like, oh, man, this is amazing. You know, John Gilmore designed this or, you know, Jimmy Stegmaier designed this and I'm getting mm-hmm. to see it before everyone else. But about the fourth player, like, I'm so tired of doing these logs and trying to find these, you know, breaks and loops and stuff and it's really important that you get good play testers. so good on them that they're doing it for you and trying to make this thing as great as possible but it really speaks a lot for how much historical conquest has been a game that people believe in I mean if they think your next product has the potential that historical conquest has and they're that passionate about it that's a huge endorsement right there I would say so yeah. anyway I guess talking about the new game uh, talk to me about the new game the thing I'm really most interested in it and I mean there could be more things in this that are that are, that are interesting but the fact that um, you know, I could have my nephew, who's in second grade, and has uh has basically learned his addition facts playing against me, who I've taught, you know, um, pre calculus. That we could somehow make a game that's competitive between the two of us, but we're using our math acumen to uh, do combat or movement or different mechanics of the game. How does that work? How do you how do you differentiate that big gap between players?
2: So, um, before I go into that. The one thing that I had to do as my niche in gaming is I wanted to make all my games somewhat uh, have an educational spin. Um, but at the same time, a lot of the educational spin scares people away, as I mentioned before. Just the thought that, oh, it's a math game, or oh, it's an educational game. So I have Historical Conquest, which is the history. This new game, Totally Medieval, is about math. But we basically removed the dice from the game. So you can play Total yeah. Medieval with a pair of dice and have a really fun game. Or you could take the dice out and replace them what we call dice cards. It's basically the same thing as dice, except you pull a flash card up and there's an equation on there. And say you're learning adding and subtracting, you would have those cards in front of you, or at least your opponent would have those cards. And when it's your turn to to roll, your opponent lifts that card up. You answer the equation. If you get it right you get a certain role. There's a point system to it. That's great. Yeah. So in that way, um, I could be learning adding and subtracting. You could be learning algebra one and we could play the exact same game.
0: That's really cool. Uh, And just last episode, Jason and I were talking about dungeon crawls and just kind of talking about how you can't reinvent the wheel too many times in dungeon crawls. And so we've seen some really great growth in Euro type games uh, over the last five years or so that all these new mechanics have come out and these new innovations of meshing up mechanics has happened. And mm-hmm. we kind of concluded that you can only do move and roll so many t- so many different ways. So the fact that you're innovating too, I could see where people potentially may be interested, even outside of an educational setting saying, Hey, this is mechanically at least a little different than just chuck and die. And it's not just luck. So you play with the math variant anyway. I mean, I think that's, that's a really neat way to do it.
2: Yeah, we want to we want to bring something in that was new, like you were saying, because uh, there's so many great games out there. There's thousands of games coming out every year, and we want to distinguish ourselves a little a little different and something that they can uh, gain from. And so, yeah, if this is a, a new a new development in the gaming or dice uh, realm, then great. I'd love to be part of that.
0: Yeah, it's neat. I, I I mean, I think just for the sake of it being different and new, I would give it a shot with the with the uh dice cards instead of just dice. I think that'd be pretty neat for sure. Uh yeah. n- now also- so then there's there's basically let's talk more about the game here a little. There's basically a playmat that you have that's like spatially you arrange your miniatures on this playmat and then you do movement and kind of I, I mean how what what's the basic core of this game? I haven't really gotten a firm grasp on this one yet.
2: So this is a game where basically it's not just you against your opponent. It's you against the board against your opponent. So the board is actually against you. It can help you and hinder you. The game board actually changes every time you play because you have cards that are your terrain. And when you move out to, there's different rectangles around the um, around the board and you place these terrains upside down on the terra- on the board. So you don't know exactly what kind of terrain you're going to hit when you uh, step on it. And then when you, move your person forward, your army or an individual card or figurine, um, then you can basically d- find out what's going on and it might actually kill you off just by stepping on that one that one tray. Mm. So there's some that you're going to want to avoid as soon as they're turned over, you'll know where they are. Um, but there's another mechanic that's really interesting. This is a game that a lot of people love uh, miniatures. They love to play with a tabletop game, but there's some people that don't want to play with miniatures. And you can actually play with the cards themselves that you're turning Hmm. over. But instead of... So basically, two ways of doing this. One, you place the card down on the board on each of the rectangles. You move them forward. Or you take your cards off the table. You hold them in your hand so they're back behind so your opponent doesn't see them. And you have figurines that take their place. So you can play either way. Play with cards or you can play with figurines. Another thing that's really interesting in this game and... Not to go too far off the the gameplay itself, but it's the same. Conf- all my miniatures are the same configuration as the game of chess. So there's one king, one queen, two rooks, two bishops, two knights, and eight pawns. So you can act- actually take all the figurines off and play on the game of chess. So it's a dual purpose. Uh, that's re- pieces. That's really cool. Well, and then
0: the ideas of chess are pretty familiar to players. So as someone's getting into this game. You have a starting a starting point to say you played chess. Here's here's something that we can build on. You know, I think that's a neat way to get someone into a more advanced game because we're always looking for gateway games. Gateway, like you know, getting those guys who've played Risk and and Chess to to go a little deeper. You know, so that's kind of cool if there's any kind of crossover at all. That's pretty neat.
2: Yeah, like when it's historical conquest, I always compare it to like the game of Risk or Civilization and the game of Magic. This one, I could say it's it's basically the game of Chess but with more strategy to it.
0: Yeah, and a little less abstracted. It seems like if there's actual combat happening and things like that, which makes it kind of more appealing, honestly. So yeah. that's really neat.
2: And the good thing is that it gives it more, um, more realism to comes to when it comes to actually, uh, I don't know, real life and playing. Because a, a king or a queen would go out. I mean, queens are more powerful than the king. Not not to be sexist or anything like that, but most likely it's gonna be the king that up. goes out to battle. Yeah um so yeah correct yeah so in this game um to go back into the gameplay you're basically placing the the figurines on the board you're going out to all these different terrains when you meet up with your opponent's uh characters or miniatures then that's when you end up battling now there's one thing that i haven't mentioned there's actually so you have your terrain which is different all on the board but you also have new weather patterns every every round so every
0: that's a new mechanic
2: yeah so every round you open you turn over a new weather pattern and it might help you or hinder you. Um, the knights would rather fight in the clear skies, while someone like the Vikings would rather uh, fight in the rain or the um, the hail or snow. Basically something that gives them an advantage because they're more extreme. And so there's five different things that you count up when you have an attack. You count up their strength. You count up the, any kind of benefit the terrain might give you. The weather pattern. If you have illness, because you can actually... Uh, you can actually have uh, catch the plague or leprosy. And then you can also have the dice. So there's actually five things to bring in there. So it's not about, I'm going to roll the dice and luck hat happens and I might win the game or I might win the battle. But all these different things are things that you would be watching for. I want to hit the right weather pattern. I want to be able to fight on the right terrain. And if I get all those things in the right place, I'm going to win the battle every time.
0: Yeah, it's it's a neat idea, the weather. Uh, and I went ahead and pulled up your Kickstarter while we were talking here, and wow, I am really impressed with your sculpts. These look like they're definitely paint-grade miniatures that you have in this game. They're really nice-looking mock-ups you have. Um, these are definitely paint-grade, I'm assuming, right?
2: They are, yeah. We actually... Uh, everything that we do, we want to be eye-catching to the, the player, not just the... Like, we don't use um, little... Sorry, I won't... I, yeah, we want to be able to be epic in everything that we do. So like with totally medieval, we had to get the, the best sculptors to give us the figurines that would really bring the people in and and be excited about it. And so, yes, they can actually paint every single part of them.
0: Yeah. They're really excellent looking miniatures, which I mean, that tells me you're going to have a really good Kickstarter. Kickstarter loves their miniatures for sure. Um, so I'm looking at it right now and it has 30 days to go as of for recording on Tuesday. When you're hearing this on Friday, you're going to have 25 plus days to go. Um, but go check out the, uh, it's totally medieval. The epic adventure is the Kickstarter. It's really looking like a nice, a nice product. Um, and I didn't ever see, I just now I'm seeing your final art and seeing all this stuff. And man, you did a really nice job with the presentation on this. It's, uh, I
2: appreciate that. Really great.
0: Looks really nice. Yeah, I
2: really appreciate that. Thank you Yeah,
0: very much. And then you went with play mats instead of boards, which I am a huge fan of as well. Um, I, I don't particularly like boards uh, play mats. Just, I mean, and I think you did play mats as well for the other game. It looks like um,
2: just, yeah, there's such a good, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been converted to it. See, I used to play boards and I love boards and, and then all of a sudden they showed me play mats. I'm like, Oh, I, if I could, I'd never go back.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: It, and it's this whole sense of like with play mats, I'm not supposed to say it. I mean, it's not guaranteed. But a lot of times, I've had people spill on the on the play mats, and we throw it in the wash. right? And all of a sudden, you get a brand new board back. So, right. yeah.
0: As long as you don't dry it, you'll be fine, usually.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, they, they do a good job. And then the other thing, too, is like... If you fold the board wrong once, it's never going to lay flat the right way, or it's going to have some kind of weird split in it. Where a play mm. mat, if you roll it the right way, it's going to lay flat every time and just be really nice. So it looks like you definitely did not chin- go chintzy at all with your with your components or anything like that. And it looks like a pretty robust game. Um, so the thing that's interesting about this is if you're listening to this, I would check it out as a gamer because it looks like a rock solid game for gamers out there. But the other thing, too, is I think everybody knows teachers. Everybody has a teacher, aunt, or a teacher, um, neighbor. Tell the teachers in your life about this um, because this is something that I think right now teachers are struggling. This is me taking, t- talking from experience. Teachers are really struggling to try and engage kids in a meaningful way and a productive way. Um, we're in the age of cell phones and distractions and just, it's hard to keep kids' attention. The, the sage on the stage lecture kids model of a classroom just doesn't work as well anymore. And so this is a way for kids to learn math. And it's, it looks like it's set up for, I mean, kids from seven to 17 would benefit. I mean, beyond 17 would benefit from this game, um, with some of the skills they're going to learn academically. And then the other thing too is I, I am a huge fan of games, period teach you things like probability. They teach you things about like planning and organization and some of these soft skills that we don't get a chance to teach kids. So mm-hmm. if if you're a teacher out there and you're hearing this or you know of a teacher, tell them to check this out. Um, I And I'm a huge fan of this and I want to support you because um, I want to see more of this. I want to see the industry grow in a way where we can gamify education. And I mean, we're seeing things become gamified all the time. Um, You know, even our ads that we watch on our cell phones are like little mini games that we can play and just stuff like that. Just everything is going to become a game is what they're predicting. And, you know, uh, our ATMs will have, you know, brick breaker on them eventually or something. So, um, I mean, it's just a really cool thing you're doing here. I absolutely love it. So I would say check out the Kickstarter if you're hearing this and you're a gamer. But also tell those teachers out there. If you've got, you know, someone in your family or, or your world that's a teacher or if you had a really great teacher that did innovative things. Uh, check this out because it's something that I think this game could possibly have the potential to take kids that would be lost and not able to, to complete that math curriculum and get high school diplomas, um, are at risk of, you know, failure and not going to college and potentially motivate them to want to, um, you know, learn the math and, and learn things to get better. And I'm going to tell you right now, my own personal life example, um, going back to magic, those cards are so like kids love those cards so much. So I ended up buying a box of commons and I I teach kids that have emotional difficulties and they have behavior issues. And so I had a, I had a couple kids that were just really struggling. And so I took like I, I do at home, I took all the real dark cards out and left just kind of the natural nature cards kind of thing. And I just had commons and if these kids would have a good day, not get any referrals to the office, Stay attentive in class. I'd give them a couple cards, which cost like four cents or something. But these kids thought it was the greatest thing ever, and they were learning how to like play the mechanics of the game and stuff. And I kind of had to set some rules about you know what I allowed and didn't allow in my room, uh, thematically. But I mean, uh, just kids want to play games. Kids want to learn, and so you're offering two really awesome opportunities for kids to do it in a safe way that there's not that crazy dark stuff in it. Um, which to me it matters. I know to some people it doesn't. To me, it definitely matters. And then there's also this benefit of this is real stuff. I mean, this is real historical stuff. That, that Russian sniper, and I can't even think of her name right now or I wouldn't even try and pronounce it. But I, I like, ended up going to her wiki page after you guys mentioned her and like, learned all about this sniper who like, was this huge hero of World War II. And like I don't know, like, she should be like championed as like, a feminist almost or something um, too. I mean, she did some really awesome stuff. And so like even not even, not even playing your game, just researching your game, I learned about historical figures. So that's historical conquest. Hopefully totally medieval. Uh, will do the same thing for kids learning their math facts and learning stuff like that. And then also, I mean, like there's other math things and logic things in there, too, that they're learning, you know, how to plan, how to mitigate damage, how to, you know, figure out the probability for success. Just different things like that that are just developed into any game. So really cool stuff, Zach. I really like it.
2: Hey, I appreciate it so much. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Anything else, Zach? Anything we missed?
2: No, I got a lot of things to talk about, but I I think for right now this is great. I I really appreciate all the the opportunity I had to come on and come to your show and talk about these things. And uh, I hope to be able to talk a little bit more about other things we have, including stuff like like you're talking about gamifying the the whole education system and putting opportunities out there so that young people can feel excited about what they're learning. And you know what? In yeah, the next he- three, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say in the next three years, we're actually planning to do almost every subject in games. I mean, we have even one that's coming out that a professor's uh, writing right now. We're going to gamify it, but uh, it has to do with Shakespeare. And a lot of people, they see Shakespeare like, oh no. And yet we're making it like a, I, I I won't spoil it, but it's going to be really fun when it comes out. And that's going to be something that hopefully people will have a different perspective on Shakespeare after that after playing a game.
0: Yeah. There's, there's a video game called to be or not to be. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a fun game where you can choose to make the decisions Shakespeare made or like divert from them. And it kind of like does some stuff tongue in cheek with Shakespeare and how like kind of messed up some of his stuff is. And I think it's kind of cool that if kids can see that in 3d and see, wait a minute, Shakespeare was making a really like risky decision by doing this, or he was doing some really controversial stuff that we feel is like, pretty bland nowadays um that would really make that history come alive but then also the ela standards too so whenever you get that language arts game done let me know because that's my that's my subject right now i it's so hard to get kids engaged in writing and reading and if you can find a way to do it in a way that gamifies it that'd be great Um, challenge accepted (laughs) (laughs) well and then there's i I don't like just an example for my own life too i'm a teacher and i have the toughest kids in the whole school as far as their behavior concerned stuff goes and so i've introduced this software or like a website called classcraft and it's all about social emotional skills and it's uh-huh. like you have this avatar and you're powering this avatar up by doing the right things in class and raising your hand and being attentive and then you can even like integrate it with like class quizzes and things like that and it's just the kids, you wouldn't think it, but like these fake points for their fake characters just drive kids nuts, man. They work like crazy to try and get them. So, um, it just works. It's like our brains had this deep rooted need to be competitive, solve problems, um, be productive. And so when we make things into games, it kind of ma- matches those needs up. So, um, by making these school subjects into games, I, I absolutely love it. And Zach, I hope to have you on in the future as more projects come out. Cause this really hits my interests for sure. So.
2: Well, it's really cool. I've actually been taking notes while you were uh, talking because you got a lot of different things that uh, I haven't thought of or that I really need to emphasize when putting these games together. So I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. We uh, we're gonna have a spinoff podcast come out of this. Probably we'll be we'll be the education boys. I don't know what we'll be That's talking right. about. Yeah. You know, gamifying these things or whatever. So. Uh, if you liked what you heard from Zach and you want to hear more, he's got an excellent web presence, um, out there. If you go to historicalconquest.com, uh, you can get pretty well, I think, to all the social media stuff, all to the YouTube videos and a lot of different things out there. Um, if this sounds like something that's interesting to you, um, I, I think that you do an excellent job with connecting with your community on your different platforms. Um, I, I honestly, um, probably spent an hour and a half just kind of like creeping your stuff and just kind of checking out what you're doing. And I was, I was really interested in it. So if this sounds like something that might be interesting, or again, the the plea is get teachers to learn about this stuff. Um, Teachers are dying out there for curriculum ideas and ideas for for engaging kids. And if they knew this thing was out there, man, I think they would eat it up. So just spread the word. Um, Word of mouth is the best way, you know? Uh, So let the teachers in your life know about uh, Totally Medieval and Historical conquest. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you do here in the future Zach. It looks really great
2: thank you. I'll keep you posted
0: I appreciate it good deal uh anything else Zach
2: nope uh i think we're i think we're good um i do have well i i i again I could talk to you forever about these type of things but uh <laughs> again, I just appreciate it and yeah I'll come back on another time and
0: oh yeah tell I love you more, it. It
2: more as it sounds comes. good.
0: And I'm going to go ahead and stop the recording now so we can talk yeah. off the record about your top secret project. I'm, I'm lying <laughs> right now. We won't do that. But at any rate, yeah. Thanks, Zach. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, And like I said, next week, we'll be back with a regular episode, guys. Thanks for bearing with us this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode anyway. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys later. guess I can do an outtake. I don't know. I just had a duty accident. Oh, no. Hee-hoo-hee. Ba-doom-ba-doom-bum-bum-bum.